Factory and the Dynasty Football Network. That's James the Brain Catullus. Tom Brady is going to win another Super Bowl, guys. That's Travis the Beard Rasmussen. I can't, can't believe you stole that from me, James. <laughs> Case Keenum is still going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm John Hogue, and uh, who's left? Blake Bortles? <laughs> I guess Blake Bortles is gonna, not going to win a Super Bowl. But this is a super flexible podcast. And we're actually done talking about quarterbacks, so uh, that was one last shot of them. Because now we're moving on to the running back position as we can we continue our position dissection from the 2017 season. We're going to be looking at the top running backs from 2017 and uh, look at some outlooks for them for 2018. So let's go ahead and just jump right in, boys, with the running back ones from 2017. James, you've got the list of the top 12 running backs from 2017, and we'll go one by one and talk about some outlooks for those guys. Yeah, uh, we accumulated this list. This is in a PPR format. This is the uh, the finish order. So um, let's start with number one, and to no one's surprise, number one is Todd Gurley. Um, real quick, Todd Gurley in 15 games uh, had 279 carries for uh, 1,305 yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground. He also had 87 targets. He turned into 64 receptions for 788 yards and six touchdowns. Um, so just under 2,100 total yards and 19 touchdowns uh, on the year. Obviously an impressive, impressive year. Um, looking back at it, uh, you know what's really impressive to me, what stands out? Todd Gurley had zero receiving touchdowns coming into this year. Um, he had six this season. So obviously he was used a whole lot more in the passing game this year. Um, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with coaching change, obviously a philosophy change, and they used him out of the backfield a lot. Um, he really proved that he could handle that. You know, he was a good receiver out of the backfield and, uh, and made a lot of plays out of the backfield, um, you know, when he was called upon on that role. So I think it was interesting seeing his usage. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into it too much. We've already kind of touched on Todd Gurley a little bit, but obviously um, I've, I've gone on record as saying this is a guy I would sell high on um and i i i don't know that i would i don't know that i would be actively shopping but i would definitely uh listen to offers and put him on the trading block if someone blew me away i think i would do that only because again i i think uh you know his outlook i I think um right now you're selling high um it's going to be really hard for him to duplicate that so um what do you guys think on todd Gurley, and what are your guys' thoughts moving forward for him I know you got something to say, John. <laughs> well, I feel like I've already said it. But, I mean, I, uh, okay. I do want to kind of frame this entire conversation, not just Todd Gurley, but kind of all of these guys that we're going to be talking about here. Because, you know, we like I said, we've talked quite a bit about Todd Gurley. Just two weeks ago, you and I, Travis, we had a pretty long discussion <laughs> on Todd Gurley when we were supposed to be talking about quarterbacks. And it's because I have a philosophy when it comes to running backs, which is that you that you go through these guys on a yearly basis. And I've been hammering on that, and here's why. So I want to give a quick shout-out to Addison Hayes, my former co-host and uh, um, 
a guy who has put a ton of work into this awesome database that I use on a daily basis. Um, so off of his uh, his app that he's that he's still working on, he's about to unleash on the world. That's where I got this information. Um, he's at AmazeHayes underscore Roto on Twitter. So uh, give him a follow so that you can access this database as well. But So let me start here. In 2016, of, or of the top five running backs in 2016, only one of them made it back in the top five in 2017. That was Le'Veon Bell. Five of the, of the top 12 in 2016 made it back into the top 12 in 2017. And three of the top five uh, from 2016 made it back into the top 12 in 2017. And that's with a running back resurgence. So the previous year, in 2016, none of 2015's top five running backs made it back into the top five in 2016. Just three of the top 12 made it back into the top 12 in 2016. And of 2015's top seven, only one made it back into the top 12 in in 2016 and then in 2014 it was kind of more of the same no none of 2014's top five made it back in the top five in 2015 two of the top 12 from 2014 made it back to the top 12 in 2015 and one of the top eight from 2014 made it back into the top 12 in 2015 and real quick the last time that three of the top five running backs made it back into the top five the following year was in 2010 Ray Rice, LaShawn McCoy, Arian Foster all top five and they did it again in 2011 so I mean it doesn't happen there's so much turnover at the top of of the running backs and not just at the top but I mean we're talking all of the RB1s you know, you're seeing constant turnover every single year. And so, I mean, it's not even Todd Gurley necessarily. It's all of these guys. The faces and the names are going to change. It's a virtual certainty. Uh, well, <laughs> those are pretty convincing numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think we all know it's kind of the running back position is super volatile mm-hmm. and and especially when you've got every year you've got rookies coming in and and teams don't want to pay running backs a ton of money i mean there's turnover that way there's turnover i mean people are stealing jobs all the time people running backs obviously get hurt more than any other position um except arguably the tight end position but yeah i mean so i i agree with you um as far as hashtag churn rbs that you know most of your roster you're not going to be holding on to or or i guess valuing super highly most of these guys as far as you know 90 percent of the running backs and we're not going to spend too much time on tug early i don't want to get into that specifically but there are just a few names you know super young elite recruits elite prospects in elite situations who we've seen produce before those are the guys that i want on my team 
and I'm not looking to actively sell them for, I mean, just because they had a top five year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that list is pretty darn small. Uh, and, and that list changes every year too, as silly as that might sound, but situations change like Le'Veon Bell probably is no longer in that list for me. I mean, he, I wouldn't mind moving on from him at this point. Um, so by so, the way, real quick of the, uh, you know, I said that, uh, um, one of 2016's top five made it back into the top five in 2017. That one was Le'Veon Bell. Right. Okay. <laughs> and but again, he actually, and he was. That's my point. Is he wasn't. He was in that elite group for me. Uh-huh. But now his situation is changing. Now he's getting older, right? So he's right. kind of falling a little bit, and so you have to obviously bring in all those different factors and and adjust your your outlooks accordingly and even though he did it the last two years we all know that now things could start to start to shift right like he's he's gonna be 26 next year which isn't crazy old but the risk there is his quarterback could change he could change teams he's had an injury history he's had suspension history so just the risk factors pile up for him and I'm not saying again I'm not saying sell this guy but he's no longer in that I'm definitely holding this guy category for me unless and even that list isn't foolproof like if I get a crazy knock my socks off offer I'll move on from anybody I'm always open to offers for any player yeah so I'm not saying never ever ever sell under any circumstances but there are those top few guys where I'm just I'm okay just keeping them like why not? I just want to keep them. <laughs> I want I want to play them again next year. You know. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. One thing I will say is I'm going to look at this kind of with a different uh, lens, at least, and that is to say that to me, if I'm taking a guy in the top five at any position, I am looking at it differently as far as did they underperform or were they injured and. To me, a player that gets injured doesn't nearly affect your roster as much as someone who underperforms. Um, and, and the reason being is if you took somebody in the top five, how long does it take you to take them out of your lineup if they're underperforming? I mean, they obviously had high upside. That's why you took them in the top five. It's difficult to get those guys out of your lineup, whereas an injury, they're they're replaceable. And so I would say this, with Le'Veon Bell, that's a perfect example. When Le'Veon Bell wasn't in your top 10, it was because he was suspended. And guess what? Um, his replacement was. And, that, you know, that, that was D'Angelo Williams. So the thing that I would say is that you had running back one potential from the Pittsburgh running back for probably, what, four years, maybe five? Uh, I mean, so to me, I think I, I would look at that and say that, uh, you know, I would just look at it with a different lens and just say that if if it's because of injury, a guy like David Johnson, for instance, um, I'm not holding that against him, that he's not a top 10 running back or a top 12 or a running back one, um, per se, as much as I am somebody who um, underperformed um, or who... Um, has a tendency to kind of fluctuate on their performance a little bit. Um, to me, that hurts your fantasy team a whole lot more than somebody who's hurt. If somebody's hurt, I can take them out of my lineup and I can replace some of those points. Um, when they're underperforming, I, you know, it's it's really difficult to do that uh, until later in the year when you kind of realize, okay, it's just not the year for this guy. Um, 
so that that's the one the one way I would look at it though uh, is is kind of through that filter. So let's kind of just finish off Todd Gurley here, and we can kind of throw in Le'Veon Bell as well since we started talking to him. He's number two, obviously on uh, 2017's fantasy finishes. Um, John, I know you're kind of not not necessarily actively selling, or correct me if I'm wrong, you might be, but you're definitely more willing to move on than I am. Um, and then Le'Veon Bell, I think maybe I'm kind of in that boat as well. Um, and just kind of like I said, just risk factors are piling up for him and, and question marks are piling up. Um, where I'm not actively selling, but I'm, I'm definitely willing to move on from Le'Veon Bell if someone's willing to to pay RB, you know, top three running back price for for this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm actively selling either of those two. Um, I mean, I'd like to, to be totally honest. I'm, I would put both of those guys on the trading block. The one thing I'll say about these guys, I mean, even though it's a, like I said, it's a virtual certainty that they're not going to make it back to the top five, not both of them, maybe one of them will. But I mean, what you are getting with both of these guys clearly is like a, a, what, like a high end wide receiver two, mid to high wide receiver two and a top five running back all in one player and there's you know there's just so much efficiency in having that in your lineup that it it is a little hard to move on from that but i do think that you know considering that we know that they're not both going to be top five running backs next year you know if you if you're able to get top five value for them when they're not going to be moving forward, then I think you do it. And that I guess that's kind of my philosophy, you know, is to where people get tripped up a little bit is the fact that they were just top five running backs in 2017, and therefore they're going to be top five running backs going forward, and that's not the case. You know, that's where people kind of get get a little bit lost is a fact that 2017, that's already done. That's passed. You're not going to get their 2017 points anymore. Now, we don't know why they're not going to be top five running backs for sure. Le'Veon Bell, we've got a little bit better idea. I kind of think with Todd Gurley, the, the answer is, you know, Jared Goff takes a bigger share of this offense and, and what it's going to be, what Sean McVay wants it to be. Le'Veon Bell... It's more like what happens this this off season. Does he make it back to Pittsburgh? Does he, you know, he says he might retire if he if he gets uh, the franchise tag again. So there's a lot that could happen there. Maybe they start mixing in James Conner some more. Maybe he gets suspended again. Maybe he gets hurt. There's there's a lot that could happen there. But it's a little it, it it's a little bit more murky. Um, but I mean, the reality is one of these guys is going to fall short of the top five and we don't totally know why, but we know it's going to happen. So move on from them that, you know, don't hesitate to move on from them. Yeah, I think I view things a little bit differently with Le'Veon Bell. Um, as, as previously noted, um, you know, the the Pittsburgh running back over the past four or five years, I, I don't know for, for sure. Um, if you had the the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you had a you had a top option. I mean, week week to week, you had a top running back, and so to me that screams pretty much 
that's the only consistent option among these top 10 running backs. And so I think, to me, Le'Veon Bell is still, what is he, 26? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still very young. Um, you know, he still has a, a lot to give. Um, he, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing. To me, Le'Veon Bell is probably the safest running back out there. So I, I personally would probably keep Le'Veon Bell over any of them. Mm-hmm just because I feel like I can get that safety. And and like you said, you know, if Le'Veon Bell does miss time, James Conner is a guy I think, at least right now, I think I could probably get relatively at a decent price. I mean, Le'Veon Bell played 15 games this last year, um, this, this past season. James Conner didn't have a whole lot of opportunity, and when he did, his yards per carry weren't all that impressive. Um, he didn't look great, uh, but you know he definitely has the talent to be something there if Le'Veon Bell were to were to go down. So I think he's a, obtainable at a good price, and I think you would have a running back one regardless of what were to happen there. Uh, at least the pass would kind of indicate that. So to me, I'm holding Le'Veon Bell because of that. Now, I will say this. Travis brought up a few very good points, and so did you, John. It, it His situation is a little bit murkier. You don't really know where he's going to be, what's going to happen. There's there's rumors that he'll hold out or retire if he's franchise-tagged again. So you're definitely there. There's a little bit more mud in the water there. But just going by, um, you know, what, what he's done and what he continues to do year in and year out, uh, it's it's hard for me to move on from an asset like that. So I think he would be a hold for me. However, again, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I'm definitely listening to offers for him. And if he's a guy that, um, you know, someone someone really blows me away with on an offer, I would definitely, I, I'd be all ears. All right. Well, let's, let's go uh, next on the list is Alvin Kamara and... And uh, Kamara had had a fantastic uh, rookie season. Um, Real quick, played all 16 games. 120 carries. He had 728 yards and eight touchdowns. He averaged an insane 6.1 yards per carry. That is unreal. He also turned 100 targets into 81 receptions for 826 yards and five receiving touchdowns. Obviously, when you watch this guy, you realize how talented he is. My only thing with him is this was such an efficient season. Um, it's hard to rely on that type of efficiency year in and year out. Uh, likely, what what would happen is his opportunity would increase, but his numbers would probably stay the same. Now, if his numbers increase, that's got to come at uh, you know at, at someone else's numbers are going to go down. I mean, obviously, that opportunity has to come from somewhere. And that's that. That could be Mark Ingram, but Mark Ingram had another really good year. Um, and uh, as much as I, you know, I wasn't on the Mark Ingram bandwagon. He really um, performed well. He opened my eyes even uh, with his performance this year. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what you guys think of Alvin Kamara moving forward. I love him as a talent. I'm just a little concerned about how efficient he was this year and if he can continue that moving forward. What do you guys think? Yeah, this this is what I'm talking about right here. This is a guy that you sell, you sell high. I mean, you don't do it just to do it, but this screams regression to me. And so the biggest reason that I see it coming is now you know that in order to beat the New Orleans Saints, you have to stop the run. So I mean, I don't know for sure who the quarterback's even going to be. Maybe Drew Brees comes back. Maybe not. But either way, the you know for the longest time through the the entire Sean Payton Drew Brees era, 
the the blueprint for beating the New Orleans Saints has been stop that pass. Well, now you know that it that it all starts with the running game for them, and I think you can load the box. You know, you can put a spy on on Kamara in the passing game, and you can shut down that entire offense for the most part. I mean, Drew Brees can still do some damage with Michael Thomas, but the real key is to stop the run, stop Kamara, stop Ingram. And I think that that's the way defenses are going to approach it going forward. And so that's where I, I, I think that Kamara might be the most likely of the top five to fall short of the top 12 in 2018. Oh, man. I think I unfortunately agree with you. Oh, wow. And I hate, I hate it. I know. Because I freaking so love fun. this guy. He's so fun. He's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he literally, like, he had probably the best running back year like this yeah. whole this whole season let me let me give you a little bit more insight to that real quick because this was just amazing to me when I when I looked at it so 16 games played right mm-hmm. he had 10 games inside the top 12 running back finishes 10 RB1 games out of 16 and three three of those were the RB1 and then he had three more inside the top 22 running back finishes. So that's 13 out of 16, right? Mm-hmm. Then he had one of the – so there's three games he was not a top 22 running back the whole year. Three games. One of them was week one when AP was still there. They weren't using him. One of them was 17, 16, 15 – week 14 when he got hurt. Or was that week 15? 14 it was week 14 yeah right yeah first week of the playoffs and he was concussed pretty early in that game mm-hmm. yeah it was a thursday night game too wasn't right it? so it's... he got hurt on the first drive yeah so so three games he didn't finish in the top 24 one was week one as a rookie one was when he got hurt yeah one was week two when he was still not as involved so yeah. literally every game that this wow. dude was on the field and they were like and he was part of like their main game plan and he wasn't injured, he was at minimum RB twenty two and that was only I mean ten of those times he was top twelve. Like that that's insane. Yep. That is absolutely yeah. insane. Like wow. he was the definition of lock and load. I don't have to worry about this, dude. He's gonna win me this week. Like it was it was crazy. So I, I just it's really hard for as you know fantasy owners dynasty owners to just up and sell a guy like that after his rookie season and it, I mean that's like I don't I don't know if I could pull the trigger honestly and I I think but I think I agree with yeah. you in that that might be that might end up being the right move because of the insane efficiency and just i mean there's just the turnover right and is this guy actually going to be jamal charles we don't right. i mean is he it's his rookie year but that's i mean that's got to be some sort of historic rookie year i mean that's crazy nonsense like that that level of production on a weekly basis so it's really hard to do and i think a lot of people are just going to not do that right like they're just going to hold on to this guy but I think that's where the advantage might come in is being able to overlook that as like this guy, you know, this guy just won me a championship. 
and now I'm going to go sell him. Like, that seems crazy to most people, but in Dynasty football, that's that's kind of how you win, right, is selling high and, and getting absolute maximum RB, you know, top three, top five running back value for this dude who's a rookie who might not ever do it again. And it's sad to say that, and I don't, I don't know that – I mean, I love this freaking dude, but – yeah, I mean, that's so this could very well be, you know, whether the people that decide to sell or not to sell, I mean, that's going to change their their fantasy teams for years, I think, just because of the value that you can get for this guy or or pass on for this guy right now. Yep. So I've been really, really toiling with whether or not Alvin Kamara is a sell high or a hold, and it's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, the the – what you're going to run into, unfortunately, is that he's going to bounce back at some point because he's got that talent to do it. It's not going to be in 2018. I mean, I think that he's going to be startable. He's going to be usable in 2018. But he's, yeah, you know, where he's being drafted in startups, it, he's not going to, to live up to that. He's not going to play up to that. And I think that's real quick, though. I think that's a little bit different like I I wouldn't take him in a startup at his current cost right but but if I have him already like that's where I'm that's where my issue is if you own this guy yeah I I think it's a little bit of a different conversation I guess is my whole my I just wanted to throw that out there real quick as far as startup value is different for me like I'm not I'm not touching Alvin Kamara at the end of the first beginning of the second in a startup that's not going to happen yeah so maybe it depends a little bit on your roster construction, and that's probably going to be the case with a lot of the guys that we talk about in this episode, because you know they're all young, they're all they all have the type of talent that is sustainable. Oh, there's there's at least one guy who's not that young <laughs> and is not sustainable, but uh, most of these guys are pretty young. And this is fairly sustainable. It's not going to happen but next year. But, you know, look at Todd Gurley and how he, how he performed as a rookie. He had a horrible second year, which, you know, that happens fairly frequently with running backs as well. And then third year with a massive bounce back. So, I mean, that could, that could happen with a few of these guys, especially these, these rookies like Kamara. So, I mean, if you've got a roster where, you know, you, you're you going to take it on a chin next year anyways, I don't know that it's worth selling Alvin Kamara. I mean, you're going to get some some big pieces out of it. I mean, if you can get a, run, a wide receiver to build around, then I would do that. But I wouldn't necessarily move him for another running back if you're in rebuild mode you know if you're gonna lose next year anyways why not hang on to him and wait for his bounce back you know to 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 come right around when your bounce back happens you know so i I think it kind of depends on roster construction with some of these guys um and it depends on what you're getting back exactly that's exactly what i Um, thought when i saw him doing that i i think though that if you're a contender and you need you're you know you need that running back to help you get over the hump and you need to get running back no running back one numbers from that guy yeah i think that uh that you can get multiple running backs 
back for Kamara, and you can get two guys who are going to give you a shot at those running back one numbers in return for one running back who isn't likely to give you those numbers. So I would do that. But, uh, yeah, if you're in rebuild mode, I don't think there's any reason to move on for, from him. I think you hold. I just don't think there are very many teams that have Alvin Kamara that view themselves as being in rebuild mode. That's the unfortunate part. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I kind of would initially think the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm a contender, I want that guy, right? Like, that guy just won me a championship. Yeah. That's like the like your base level, I guess, <laughs> you're thinking, <laughs> right? Like... Oh, I'm going to, yeah, I just won. I'm going to keep this guy. And and if you're a rebuilder, you're like, oh, I could use this guy to get so many different pieces. I'm going to sell him as as a rebuilding team and get all these different, you know, young assets for my team and, and build from there. So it's interesting that you went that route with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have anything else to add. He's, he's definitely going to be one of the craziest storylines to follow next year and and for I mean for his entire career really I th- I really want him on my team he's such a fun electric player who's just putting up these crazy video game numbers but you know for me it's really the the that efficiency and the part that he did it the fact that he did it in a part time role and what happens if Mark Ingram leaves I mean he's he's five ten two fifteen ish so I mean he's not too small to be a lead back he's right kind of on that that like you know middle like in between range but like Marshawn Lynch is 5'11 214 and he you know what I mean like I don't I don't know I guess he's he's big enough I guess is what I'm saying yeah. whereas people that's an argument against him as a lot is oh he's too small he's a he's a satellite kind of ancillary piece he can never shoulder the full workload I don't think I'd agree with that but I definitely agree with the fact that if if he does all of a sudden get a full workload, that efficiency is going to go down. Um, yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's all I've got on Alvin Kamara. All right, let's move on. Uh, running back number four is Kareem Hunt. Um, Kareem Hunt started 16 games, uh, 272 carries. He had uh, 1,327 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, also, uh, 63 targets, hauled in 53 of them for 455 yards, had three touchdown grabs, um, totaling 17 over 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns. Um, Cream Hunt had a fantastic year. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry. Um, you know, I think I think I don't think that's too crazy. It's sustainable. I think his workload is pretty safe in that Kansas City offense. Uh, I think that when Kansas City struggled a little bit midway through the season, a lot of it was attributed to them not using Hunt as often as they should. Uh, just watching Kareem Hunt, the guy seems to be able to do everything well. He's good at running inside. He can. He, he's quick enough to get it outside. Um, he's really good in the pass uh, pass catching game. He he became a much better pass blocker. He was a willing um, pass blocker picking up the blitz, and he really improved in that part of the game. I think he's a three down back. He's a guy that can stay on the field in any situation, and that's the kind of guy that I want. He's young. And uh, I think his upside is high. So Kareem Hunt's one of those guys that uh, I've always been high on. But really, just watching him this year, he, uh, you know, I think his role is safe. If anything, it can expand. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm 
very happy with Kareem Hunt on my fantasy team, I can tell you that. Wouldn't be a guy I'm actively shopping, but again, I'd listen to offers on anyone. So um, I'm interested to see kind of how you guys feel about Kareem Hunt moving forward and uh, if maybe a potential quarterback change affects his status at all. Yeah, Kareem Hunt is, I, I think if you sold Kareem Hunt after week three, I think he probably made out pretty well. Um, at this point, I think you'd kind of just keep him. He's going to have that job next year. Uh, Spencer Ware isn't going to do anything uh, as far as stealing a significant workload or anything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. He did have that like that stretch you were talking about, weeks 8 through 13. He His best finish was RB25. Uh, his worst was RB60, and he came back in week 14 and picked it back up again. Uh, I would think that was right around when Matt Nagy started calling plays. Um, anyways, I, I think you keep him. I don't think – I mean, you know, obviously you always listen to offers, but I think he's going to have that safe workload next year for sure. Um, I don't think I really have anything else to add. He's, I mean, he's obviously a rookie, and I think he keeps that job. And I think you can not. I, I think now is not the time to sell if you're going to sell. I think his value regained some. He regained some value, obviously, towards the end of the year, but it's nowhere near where it was because it was ridiculous value, you know, week three. But um, yeah, I think he's kind of just a safe guy for going into next year that you can that you can bank on. Yeah, I I think so too overall. I'm a little nervous for a couple reasons. I mean, you know how much I love Patrick Mahomes. I And it, this could go one of two ways with him as a starting quarterback. Either he stretches a field and makes even more running room for, Al, or for Kareem Hunt, or he you don't have to respect the passing game because, you know, he's kind of a one-trick pony a little bit, and you get to load the box to stop Kareem Hunt. So... It, there, there are two different ways that this could go, and I'd say it's kind of a coin flip, and that part makes me nervous. The other thing is there are so many good running backs coming out in this draft class in 2018 that I think that this could happen to several teams where you know you draft a running back just because you need depth, and he ends up being you know a starting option for you, a guy who cuts into your starter's workload if nothing else. And I'm a little worried about that for Kareem Hunt as well. I mean, I do think they're going to be in the market to uh, to acquire some running backs just just for some depth. Maybe they do it through free agency and he's safe. But there's, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't draft one of these guys and see what you've got. And you know, you end up with 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 some of the guys who are going to be you know later round running backs who are going to be absolute starting options. So um, it, it, it makes me, that part makes me a little nervous, but I do like, as of this recording, I do like Kareem Hunt's opportunity and situation probably better than anybody in the top five other than the next guy we're going to talk about. Um, and he feels like he, he, he has the most sustainable production. Um but there there are some kind of warning signs for me. So, I mean, I think he's a hold, but uh, 
I'm I'm a little nervous about it. Interesting. Okay. Well, I tell you what. Let's get to that next uh, that next back that you were uh, kind of uh, hinting at, and that's that's Melvin Gordon. And uh, you know, Melvin Gordon. You know, it's it's really interesting because one thing definitely stood out to me with Melvin Gordon, um, and that was kind of uh, his efficiency. Um, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. I do want to go over kind of his numbers. Um, on the year um obviously he finished i don't know if i said uh, as running back five um and uh in 16 games he had uh 284 uh carries uh, 1105 yards and eight touchdowns um he averaged 3.9 yards a carry um his his career average is 3.8 yards a carry so um you know real quick his receiving yards he had uh, a career high 83 targets he had 58 grabs for 476 yards and four touchdowns um the four touchdowns are his you know uh, receiving touchdowns were a career high uh, I, I definitely think that he's trending the right way in the receiving game but again his career average 3.8 yards per carry he's definitely a high volume guy and a guy who relies on touchdowns he had 10 touchdowns two years ago eight this last year um, touchdowns are, are really hard to predict. They're really hard to count on. And then when you look at that volume, you know, you said something very interesting, John, about Kareem Hunt, and that is, you know, with this running back class coming in, there's a lot of depth. And there may be a guy that, you know, you take in the fourth, fifth round to update your, you know, upgrade your depth at the position, and they end up, you know, maybe outshining or end up in a committee with a starter that you thought had a firm hold on the job. I can almost see that being the case here. I mean, when you look at Melvin Gordon, he hasn't been very efficient. And uh, I could see a guy, uh, you know, a, a guy taken later in the draft, uh, you know, really maybe out, out outshining him, you know, and, uh, and showing a little bit. And this is a team that I could see upgrading that position. I mean, Austin Eckler was a interesting guy for a little bit. And then you have uh, Brandon Oliver, but there's not a whole lot of depth there. So, um, yeah, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on what you guys think about Melvin Gordon moving forward. You don't like Andre Williams, huh? Is his uh, backup? <laughs> Is that where he landed? <laughs> he thought he was in a witness protection program. He might as well have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's definitely possible. I'm less worried about it with Melvin Gordon for sure. And uh, I think I mean he just keeps taking on a bigger role in this offense, you know. And not only that, it, it's almost like he hears the criticism of him and he addresses it every single year so you know in 2015 when he was a rookie he didn't score a single touchdown and so the knock on him was well you know there's no way that we can that you can use this guy because he doesn't score touchdowns well then he comes back in 2016 scores 10 touchdowns he's a running back seven for fantasy and but the knock on him is all these touchdowns were up close and that he's he doesn't get a lot of receptions and he definitely doesn't score touchdowns um in the passing game so in 2017 all of a sudden there's an uptick in uh you know his usage in in the passing game and also you know he starts scoring touchdowns from distance so i mean to me this guy is one of the few exceptions where you know there's just this upward trajectory that that seems like it's going to continue and the other thing is just for whatever reason his value is still so depressed and I don't get it and that's my favorite part about Melvin Gordon 
is the fact that this is easily a top five dynasty running back, but for whatever reason, he's being valued as a low-end RB1 for dynasty purposes. So to me, I mean, it's an opportunity to there's still an opportunity to buy low for whatever reason and uh that's that's why to me melvin gordon is a buy or at at the very least a hold i mean you're not going to get fair value for him so you know if you've got him you hold him if you don't have him go buy him i'm not i'm not quite as bullish as you are no one is that's the point (laughs) (laughs) but i will say i've kind of been coming around on melvin gordon lately Mm -hmm. um i was in I was previously in the camp of the Melvin Gordon haters, um, and I think that's kind of I don't know like you know you look at those <clears throat> you know I don't yards per carry right those efficiency quote unquote stats that that are supposed to tell us stuff that might not actually tell us what we think they're telling us right and I mean you just watch the guy he's a pretty darn good running back and it's hard to discredit what he's done in this league already so far um and he's do you know i i think that you know yards per carry largely can be attributed to the offensive line and not necessarily a, a good indicator of a running back's talent um and you know just this last year the chargers had the 26th, 26th ranked uh, run blocking offensive line unit. So that's not that's not good. Um, I do worry a little bit in that you know I think they might bring another role player guy in. Um, I don't know if Eckler's the guy or not, but I think that you know I don't know. I just think you know if teams look at oh our running backs gotten three point eight yards per carry like. At, at what point does somebody see, hey, our guy isn't as efficient as other guys in the league. Let's kind of supplement him a little bit. Or I don't know. I might just be talking out my ass here, but <laughs> <laughs> it does. I mean, it, the efficiency is hard. It's hard to not let that worry you. I guess is my point, right? right? Yeah. And and so that's the only the only drawback to Melvin Gordon, and that's the only argument anybody has against the guy is yards per carry. And I'm trying not to buy into that. I'm trying not to let that sway me. So I've been coming around more lately on him being a legit dynasty asset and and kind of valued a little bit lower than he should be, which is crazy for me because I was the complete opposite end of that a year ago or six months ago even. Yeah, we should keep yeah, talking I, I, about that because he's going to he's going to fix the efficiency thing next year, and he's going to be the RB one. <laughs> I, I would say this. Here's my thing. First off, I I don't think yards per carry only um, really shows offensive line. Um, you know, I, I think elusiveness has to be kind of kind of brought up. I mean, if you're an elusive back, your yards per carry should be a little bit better. You should be able to make people miss, and then breaking tackles. Should kind of have something to do with it. I would. I here's my thing. In in three seasons now, Melvin Gordon hasn't averaged four yards a carry. I'm just looking right now at Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram um, in seven years has never. I, I mean, uh, uh, Melvin Gordon's yards per carry average for his career is three point eight. In seven years, Mark Ingram has not had 
has never had a year that low. So I, to me, I mean, it's got to mean something at, at some point. And I think with Melvin Gordon, he's, he's, you know, you can say he gets better as the game wears on. He's wearing a defense down, that sort of thing. And I, I think that has a little bit to do with it. And so I would say that there is, you know, other things that go into, you know, why yards per carry are lower. Maybe they're lower in the first half and then the second half they're a little higher. You know, I'd have to see some splits. But, yeah, just from an overall efficiency standpoint, I haven't seen it yet from him in three years and so like like you said john i mean i guess if if he's continually fixing everything that people are knocking him on i uh i i would like to see him fix that efficiency and go over four yards of carry uh, for a season well since i kind of already brought it up uh, next on the list number six running back is mark ingram and i i think this is kind of crazy when you think about the fact that we just went over alvin kamara and now we have mark ingram two running backs um, right there in the top six for the same team. Uh, Mark Ingram had a great year, um, played in all 16 games, 230 carries, uh, 1,124 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns on the ground. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry. He also got 71 targets in the passing game. Think about that. Alvin Kamara had 100, and Mark Ingram had 71. That's insane, the amount of running back targets that, that uh, the running backs had uh, on the Saints. He turned those targets into uh, so 71 targets into 58 receptions for 416 yards. He had zero receiving touchdowns, however, but uh, still with 12 touchdowns on the ground and all those uh, uh, those numbers that he put up, he had a fantastic year. He proved me wrong. I've, I've never been a Mark Ingram believer until now. Um, I really feel like he is best used in a committee like this. Um, now he is entering his eighth year. He's going to be 29 years old. He's coming up to that 30. 30-year-old number that people don't like uh, don't like seeing with running backs, but uh, I, I kind of think you know in a, in a in a committee like this he can keep himself a little fresher than some of the running backs that normally hit that 30-year-old wall, and uh, I, I think he might buy himself a few more years. So uh, if I have Mark Ingram, I'm holding him. I don't think there's any reason to shop him um, at this point, and uh, I would expect that he would continue giving me maybe not as high a level um, as he did this year. 12 touchdowns is a lot to ask for on the ground, but I, I think he can uh, he can still give you high-end production uh, at that running back position. Um, what do you guys think about Mark Ingram? I think you sell him right now and you run away. Correct. <laughs> Agreed. I think <laughs> I I like the guy. Um I I think he's he's getting older. I think this is the best year he's had in a while. Uh even though it was pretty guard pretty darn good two and three years ago. I think he had some I think he had good years. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but yeah, I mean he's got a potential out uh, for the team this year, he could not be in New Orleans in 2018. He's whoa. Uh, he missed out. He would have to be an All Pro to be an unrestricted free agent. Yes, yeah. But he still could be cut. He's only due, or he's due six point two million, and he would only have one point six million in dead cap. Oh wow! So if they cut him, they'd save whatever that is. I don't know, <laughs> five, four point eight million. Yeah, yeah. So only one point six in dead cap, and he's due six point two. That I mean, six point two for a running back is that's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they did just go on this playoff run. They might 
just keep him out of keeping things the same. I don't know how much teams carry that or how much weight that carries for teams as far as just turnover, but I, I don't know. I think that he's on the, the tail end of his career, and I think that he's not going to – I don't know. I, don't, I just think that the risk of him significantly losing value next year is extremely high for me. Um, so I think if you've got him – you got him at a you got him at a steal before this year, and you can sell high now and make an insane profit off of this guy. I don't think he's going to be a core dynasty asset for years to come at all. Yeah, definitely not. And I mean, you know, as much as we just talked about, look for a regression from Alvin Kamara. This is still becoming Alvin Kamara's team and Alvin Kamara's job. So you know the. You also have to think that the workload starts to starts to drop for Mark Ingram if he does come back, if he is back. Which, I mean, how what's what's his contract situation if they do keep him? Okay, so if they keep him in in twenty eighteen, um, he, he's got a six point two million dollar cap hit. So they've got to pay him that six point two million, and then he'd be an, an unrestricted free agent in twenty nineteen. So they could keep him for one more year if they want to pay him that six million. But if if they want to move on from him, he's only a one point six million uh, dead cap. Yeah, which that's kind of interesting to me. You know, a twenty eight year old running back in a walk year. That's the type of guy that you run him into the ground. You know. The only the only reason Could that be, I'm, yeah. uh, the only reason I'm not going to advocate for um, for buying him is because I think that his his value is is inflated a little too much in dynasty after the year he just had. But I mean, if you if you can get him cheap, or you know, if he does fall deep into your startup draft, I I, I think that I would take a flyer just on the the possibility that maybe there's some serious volume coming you know um for one year i i don't know how often teams actually end up doing that but i think that uh there's an opportunity here for you know him to get one more big contract after after 2018 from another team and an opportunity for the saints to just ride him into the ground and then, you know, send him packing. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. Um, it's it's all just a matter of how cheap can you actually get him and is he worth it. I think it's interesting that you guys are uh, both advocating selling both of these Saints running backs. Um, I, I think for me, when I look at Sean Payton and his history, um, normally he, he uses a committee. You know, I mean, we had Darren Sproles for a long time there. Um, we, we just always have seen that committee approach. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's working. I mean, right, right now you have Mark Ingram. You have a guy who's really strong between the tackles. You're keeping him fresh by keeping him on the sideline. When you have Kamara in there, they're both catching passes. So it's not like you're bringing in Kamara only on passing downs. Kamara is an effective runner, too. Um, I, I think what they did was working. You can use both those guys in the same backfield. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm selling. And again, with Kamara, uh, you know, his role may expand, but I don't think that his points will because his efficiency will stay down. But with Mark Ingram, man, it just seemed like he really excelled as part of a committee when he was fresh and he was used out there instead of being run 25, 30 times a game. 
it really benefited him to be in this part of the committee. So I don't know. To me, that that prolongs his career a little bit. He's not taking as many hits. He was healthy for most of the year. Um, And to me, I would hold him just to kind of see what happens there. Uh, You know, I, I could definitely see them... Uh, see the Saints and uh, and see those guys still being effective uh, going into next year and maybe even the year after that, you know. So, um, but yeah, I think you guys make some good points on why you would sell uh, Ingram. I just I don't think anyone's paying a premium for him, and that's why I don't think I would sell him. But yeah, uh, that's just me. Yeah, if if you're not getting, you know, if you're if you're not getting high value offers for him, which I could see, I could definitely see holding him because I have a feeling that people are going to come to you as the Ingram owner and they're going to say, you know, I, I want, I'll trade you for Ingram. I'll take him off your hands, you know, essentially, because he's a one-year proposition, which is true. You know, he's going to be 29 years old in 2019. He's going to be on a different team, you know, so his value isn't nearly as high as, as it should be. So for that reason, I would hold. But, you know, if they're coming to you with, with offers that actually reflect the fact that he was a that he was a top six running back in 2017, then then I would do it because he is a one year proposition. Um, but yeah, I mean if 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 you're not getting reasonable value for him, I don't think there's any reason to actively sell him. But we're going to wrap it up there and uh, get back to the top 15 in the next episode that's going to come out in just a couple days. Um, so for now, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll call it a day and uh, move on to the next set later. And uh, so thank you for listening. And until next time, bye. bye.